Hello, and welcome back to the Hiring Success Podcast. Have you ever wondered what it takes to get internal buy-in for a new TA tech stack? You probably know that your team is only as good as the tools that it uses. But how do you convincingly communicate that to your colleagues and the C-suite? Today's episode is an excerpt from a recent webinar in which Smart Recruiter's CEO, Jerome Turnick, and Elaine Orler, CEO and founder of Talent Function, clearly outline the most important points to include when making a bulletproof business case for a modern and sophisticated applicant tracking system. But before we begin, I'd like to announce that for a limited time, Smart Recruiters is offering eligible companies a below market rate offer for a complete and flexible talent acquisition platform. If you're interested in applying for our ATS upgrade program, check out the link in the show notes or head to smartrecruiters.com where you'll find more information directly on the homepage. Enjoy the episode. Well, Ellen, welcome to uh, to this webinar. Delighted to have you uh, with us today. And as I listened to uh, uh, Maya's kind introduction, I um, I couldn't help myself but think, wow, there's been uh, many years of uh, trying to uh, to help TA get uh, get to better technology and uh, to to watch TA actually uh, uh, evolve. So maybe this is a good place for us to start, right? The, the the role of TA in this new normal. I mean, you consult with many organizations, and then what what are some of the biggest questions that TA leaders have been asking you in the past weeks, months? Thanks, Jerome, and I'm really excited to be here because I feel like this conversation you and I have had year over year for so many years since um, maybe since we were small children. Let's just go back that far. But uh, today, there's been a lot of a lot of new questions. Um, some old, some repeat, but the new ones really have been, how are we gonna adjust to this new normal going forward? So normal is gone and what does this new reality look like? So the agility of technology and the agility in talent acquisition has never been more important than it is now between speeding up, slowing down, catching up. And so the conversations really have been around, we designed for one model and all of a sudden we're in a new model and we have never designed for this. So mm-hmm. how, do, how do we shift as fast as we need to, to be at the speed of the market, which has definitely had some volatility, I would say for most organizations. Yeah, and supposedly that uh, probably opens up new opportunities for TA, right? To, to step in into new areas, to reinvent themselves. What, what's our, what are some of the opportunities TA leaders can leverage today? Sure, I think, well, there's so much opportunity. They're just in any number of things. You could pick up any widget and probably start with a whole new opportunity set from helping people get jobs, just taking our jobs and turning them around the other way. We have such a social responsibility to the economy and to those that are looking for opportunities. But when we think about in-house, I think talent acquisition has an opportunity to reinvent itself right now. Um, we don't. We always think about just recruiting employees. Why? Why not think about what it means to recruit total talent, regardless of badge type? So contractor contingent, um, the gig economy that's coming in, why, why does that not resolve, um, reside in talent acquisition all day long? Or on the flip side, why aren't we working on reassignment? We had a great opportunity in the layoffs and the, the furloughs to really take a look at what talent really should we be holding on to and how do we reassign it to be success, successful going forward? So I say this is our chance to spread our wings and stretch a little bit more in the midst of feeling like we don't have any work to do or that our rug has been pulled out from underneath us. I just think it's a great opportunity to shine. 
Yeah. Yeah, and supposedly also an opportunity for TA to play a bigger role in internal mobility, like hiring from within, because there's a lot of redeployment, there's a lot of movements happening in, in organizations. And I think we're certainly seeing people just stepping up and saying, well, actually, we know how to do that. We can help ensure that employees have the right um, access to the right uh, jobs and roles internally. Well, and I think this has been a mission We've always had the mindset that internal mobility or um, a candidate expressing interest that was an employee was always part of the equation. But I always think about, we always wait for the employee to express interest. Why haven't we gone and tapped the best employees on the shoulder to find a way to re-recruit them into the business? So talent acquisition, because we do talent pooling and community and we've, we've, we've mapped all the future talent that could possibly be in the organization, how easy would it be for us to map our internal talent as well and know exactly where they might be eligible for that next opportunity or that next position and tap them on the shoulder and say, are you interested versus waiting for them to apply? And Lord forbid, waiting for them to still have to ask their manager permission before they can be considered since they don't have to ask their manager permission to be considered externally. Does this crisis give TA leaders an opportunity to be bolder in their choices? Oh, I absolutely think so, most definitely. And I think it's uh, bolder and across the board, bolder in how in which we want to deliver to the business, uh, what responsibilities we have, but then the technology that we need, the opportunity to stand up and say what's going to be successful going forward, because we don't know how much the market's going to shift each time. And I go back to, I think my word for this year is agility, and we just we need that kind of capability day in and day out now. Yeah. Yeah, and clearly the times of uh, crisis times of change are actually good times um, to uh, to be bolder and if you if you paint a vision for ta uh, uh, what what's that vision for you like what's a, a good vision if you were a ta leader today and you start with a blank sheet of paper everything's possible what's a vision for ta that that you subscribe to and and to a certain extent how far off are we from that vision today well, I think um, we've had the evolution. We started as personnel, we moved into, we became recruiting organizations, and we quickly became talent acquisition. And I think we're still growing into what the definition of talent acquisition means, because we built on the word talent first, and yet we still don't look at talent in the total economy of what it means. And so we're still focused on recruiting employee-based hires. So in that vision, I see us really evolving into what that definition of talent means, internal, external, regardless of badge type, whatever that equation looks like, that we have oversight, insight, and, and some, some responsibility for how that is managed in the business. We know in, in most organizations today, the CEOs will say that the most the number one competitive differentiation is the type of talent they have. And we have responsibility for that. So I think the ability to rise up and own that and then own it at the broader scale is the vision I would see for talent acquisition leaders. Yeah, I think that concept of TA uh, actually becoming a business partner uh, that is in sync with the CEO to acquire uh, uh, the best talent uh, is really where the market is going and where uh, the most forward-looking TA leaders are going. And it's very different from the you know the time to hire cost uh, time to fill and cost per hire. Uh, model the faster, cheaper model that somehow you know many uh, many TA leaders still experience today, right? It's like, hey, can I? How can I be a value add function? 
So let's let's double click maybe on on the modern uh, TA function um, and uh, start by uh, what role does technology play in TA um, as TA evolves out of this crisis? Well, I think um, in order for talent acquisition to be more strategic, we have to become more dependent on quality technology. It can't. It's not on transactions anymore. If we're still talking about how to solve for the transaction. I'm sorry, that's not the conversation of this generation. It's about engagement. It's about really moving the needle forward and creating a community with our technology that drives us, our processes and our strategic nature forward. If I can't, if I can't run a report that tells me how many people are being hired or how many are in process flows, then you're still talking transactions. We should be talking about is the quality of the talent that we have available to us and the and the way in which we can meet the business needs before the business even knows they have those needs because we're able to see in front of them we're able to see the market in front of them and push those types of things but the modern today we're somewhere in between we're still hybrid on trying to solve for transactions yet we want we desire so much to be in the strategic nature and i think it's just a this economic change the pandemic all the other things that the unrest that has happened gives us a chance to be, like you said before, more bold in asking for what we need in order to be more successful in talent acquisition. And that's gonna be more strategic tools, not transaction tools. Yeah, and supposedly uh, uh, the remote um, nature of, uh, of, of it makes it even harder, right? Because if you, are, uh, if you have a, uh, uh, an old ATS or an old infrastructure that you know, managers aren't really using, where you're collecting most things manual, it's, you kind of can fake it if you're all in the same office. But the moment you have a distributed team and you need to make good hiring decisions in a remote scenario, uh, it actually becomes uh, collaboration and adoption becomes uh, more important to, than transactions, frankly. Right. Just in time and real time. If you're waiting on a manager to open an email with 10 attachments to tell you what resumes they want to look at, um, you're still in transaction zone. If you haven't given them a, a simple link that just says paginate through and tell me your recommendations, thumbs up, thumbs down, um, where we can get to speed and quality of decision, um, it's, a, it's a really good tell for which way your organization is set up for today. Yeah. And it's technology, but it's also uh, uh, processes and people. Like the, the TA function is evolving uh, in the job description. Like who are the who are the people there and its processes. Um, so, what are some of the core critical elements for modern TA? Well, there's two that I can think of first and foremost. One is we crippled all of our systems in the early 2000s with the definition of applicant from the OFCCP. We got, we, got, we got scared. And so we stopped doing all of the cool things that our technology was gonna be able to do then. And we, and we really digressed. And so we're finally coming out of the phase of compliance is the only way to do recruiting. And we're starting to see more strategic values. So first and foremost, check mark the box of compliance, but don't let it control or dictate to you everything you're gonna do for talent acquisition, or you'll never get out of the, you'll never get a hire to happen again. But I think the more important thing is I'd love to see the abandonment in every organization of this evergreen requisition mentality because we needed that because we were requisition centric from before. That's the way our old mm -hmm. systems were designed. And today we don't need a requisition to do everything. We should be able to have fluid hiring. If our process model follows enough of the rules, why do we have to follow all 37 rules to make a hire for every hire type? It doesn't make sense. 
So we need more fluid um, opportunities to make the right time of engagement and experience happen for each of the job types we're doing. And evergreen rec, which means that perpetual hiring over and over again, doesn't need the same controls or rules that a, a, a direct hire or a one-off hire might need. So allow for that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, uh, the control of compliance, like compliance taking over the process uh, is a really good one. Because um, we see uh, uh, many, many uh, TA leaders actually uh, uh, very constrained uh, by compliance, by privacy. So we kind of mastered the FCCP and then we got GDPR in our way, right? And uh, <laughs> to a certain extent. And it, it's clear that um, uh, this is actually evolving uh, towards uh, a, uh, a full uh, suite of, of technology where you have a single candidate record. Um, actually, I've been in discussions recently about why would you advertise jobs to the market? Why not advertise jobs only to people that have joined your talent pools before, right? Like create your talent ecosystem. Because right now you post a job, you get a thousand candidates the next day, okay, so what, right? Um, that's actually not helping anyone, the people who are applying or you as a recruiter. So I think we'll see some, uh, we'll see some, some good evolution here. Uh, and as, as part of this, like when you think about all this transformation that's happening, like why is now a good time to switch technology? Well, I think um, well, there's a couple of different reasons, but I think one socially, we're becoming more adaptive with technology. Um, we, we've been in the generation before cell phones. I remember life when the phone still had a tethered cord to it, when a computer was the size of your office and the monitor was the size of your phone. And so we've, we've seen technology evolve in the hardware aspect, but in, then in the software aspect. And so today we, we have so many opportunities in front of us. I can't wait to see what virtual reality is gonna do for recruiting. Um, I wouldn't have said that five years ago. I'd be more petrified of what virtual reality is going to do for recruiting. But we're moving into this state where we are virtual now as a workforce, and we need these tools that are going to create a level of engagement and experience that doesn't feel uncomfortable to everybody. So technology for recruiting is going to be on the, on the cusp. I always love to use the phrase, if talent acquisition operates at the speed of the market and the rest of HR operates at the speed of the business. And the market is moving really quickly into all of these tools. And if we're not agile and doing the same type of thing with these tools for towards source candidates, to create communities, to create conversation, um, we're going to lose out on the best talent. Yeah, and so that's actually uh, really something I want to double click on. The, the technology needed for a modern TA function. Because um, I think we've we've really evolved to from a somewhat of a compliance system of record towards what looks like more and more like a sales and marketing platform. Um, what are what are the most common technology choices for TA leaders and, and what's their impact? Like how, how, how would TA leaders think about their technology choices? Well, um, that's a, such a great question. So many of the conversations right now is really how do you think about technology? let's stop thinking about the transactions and pretend they're done. Because so many of the systems today and so much of the decisioning process around the, the, the systems are still about the transactions. Can I get through a workflow logic? The answer is yes. So where's the creative differentiation gonna be? How fast can I create a community or an audience that is the audience that I need? How can I curate that content and that relationship 
to keep them in, interested with us as well? How can I create that candidate experience that's going to have them going, I'll wait for your opportunity versus going to your competition? That's the kind of types of tools and experience we need to be building. Talent acquisition as a recruiter is not sit and wait anymore. It is, I have to go and identify the right and the best. And I'm constantly looking and devouring where they might be so that I can make those relationships happen. And if we don't have that hunter mentality and relationship in our own mind, sitting back and waiting is just gonna create the flood of unqualified resumes like we talked about that are gonna come through and you're gonna to have to master those experiences. Um, and that's a lot of volume for somebody that's not likely gonna hire that you're gonna to have to manage. Yeah. So I'd rather be more strategic and be on the front end looking at those tools that are going to define differentiation not just commoditize the work I have to do. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier going through the process. I mean, in most organization uh, that we see, the process ends up being very fragmented uh, and the technology doesn't support it uh, properly. Um, and in, in part, uh, uh, in part, this is because hiring managers have just bluntly refused um, to get their hands into uh, into our ATSs very often. So how 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 can TA actually uh, uh, resolve that and make systems less fragmented and bring the hiring managers back into the into the loop so they could actually work together towards an outcome? Because right? that relationship, hiring manager and recruiter, is very dependent on what technology they use to collaborate and if you to your point earlier if it's an email with 10 attachments that sure as hell is not going to be a smooth process going from there no and you can you can guarantee a very slow turnaround on that kind of messaging so i think one of the things with the tools is we've always designed recruiting applications for recruiters and the manager as the partner there's been so much missed opportunity i think in in many of the ways in which we've gone about it on how do we bring the manager forward it's just in time decision support from a manager perspective they don't need to be in there all day long sourcing for candidates that's what you're responsible for doing but how do you engage the manager at the time that they're most needed and how do you feed back to them what's most important in their decision and roles i think about just the opportunity to give analytics and data back to the manager how many times do we get that new requisition that comes in and we've done, we source for that record um, three times in the course of the year, but instead we start every manager conversation off as if we've never seen this job before. So how about we start with the legacy information that we know, the time it took to fill the last positions, the amount of information we know about our talent pool to fill the job. Oh, and in fact, here's five, five top candidates that we've already sourced and, and had relationships with over the last three months. Perhaps we start with those versus like you said before, advertising to the universe because we feel we're supposed to do that on every job and let's just source with those that we already know are qualified and that brings a different value piece that brings a partnership i think with management and and the business on the, the fact that we know how to to meet those needs versus we're order takers and we'll let you know when your order is complete kind of mentality mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and that that realization, I think, um, is really what, what leads to technology evolution um, as an evolution of the function. Uh, so I'm a TA leader. Uh, I run my function on an outdated ATS system. Uh, candidates hate it. They don't convert. They don't apply. And I have to source in different ways. 
Managers are refusing to log in, so I am sending emails with 10 attachments and tracking my results in a spreadsheet as a result of what? Uh, my recruiters are uh, all over the place, fragmented, trying to keep up, but they absolutely cannot do a good job because they just don't have all the data. So I have low recruiter productivity and high frustration. My managers are just picking me on the head saying, you know, come on, do your job. And the candidates are like, well, I'm not applying here. I understand all of this. I want to change. How do you build a business case? How, how can TA leaders get the technology they need? Because the last time I knocked on the door of the CFO, I didn't walk away with money. So how can, how can I do that? Yeah. First, you can call us as consultants. That's what we do all day long to help. Now, if that's not in the budget either, which I also know can be the case, I think there's two important things you need to think about as a talent acquisition leader. First and foremost is that you are the leader. So CFO doesn't dictate to you how to run your business or you don't get to dictate to them how to run their business. So it really is about how do you build that business case to the right audience. So when it comes to the CFO, I think I, I, I was one step higher to the CEO. The first thing you have to be able to modify or understand is what, what direction is the business in? Is it in cost containment? Is everything being asked to do more with less? Then you write a justification that shows how you can do more by, by spending a little bit more now, how much more it's going to save in the long run. You're talking about a savings equation. If the business and revenue growth and expansion, and it's all about how do we find new, then you have to write your business case on how you can get that growth and expansion to happen and hit the business markers faster. But it is it is a matter of one or the other. And then knowing that the business could change its mind in the middle of a pandemic and go from growth to cost containment and how to adjust that. But that's the first and primary aspect of any business case you need to write. And the secondary piece I would say is, you have to take a look at your own business. If you're writing a business case that I use a phrase all the time, running from or running to, the scenario you gave, all of this is broken, it's just disjointed, I need to fix it. That's a running from statement because you're looking back at everything that's wrong and you're not focused on what you need to do right. So writing a business case has to be focused on what you're going to, going to do, not what you haven't done yet. So how are we going to get to something that's optimal or better? So it's taking apart what you're doing now, but focusing much more clearly on what it is that will add more value and focus on how to present that case forward. Technology today, again, transactions, applicant tracking, how many times are we gonna say it's dead? I think it's been dead for 20 years now, but it's still, it's still a lot of times, it's one of the major organs in a talent acquisition platform. Somebody still needs the transactions in order to run reporting, but it is not the most important organ anymore. It is just a part of the overall ecosystem. If you don't have the rest of the body parts, if you don't have the CRM capability, the talent attraction capability, the communication and the collaboration capability, let alone the full engagement layers that you need um, and that exposure, you, you don't have an, a talent acquisition system. You have parts that you haven't put together well. So the business case needs to be defined by, is it the whole system ecosystem you're looking for? Or are there specific parts that are most important that you really need to get involved in the system? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. where I'd start. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I and I think the, you know, the savings aspect of it is one. Um, and there um, uh, we've seen business cases built around uh, technology savings because oftentimes on your applicant tracking system, you plugged another tool and another one and another one, what is known as a, you know, Frankenstein architecture or Frankenstein or however you want to say it, but it, it is, 
a reality in many businesses. And so there are like, technology and integration and maintenance savings uh, here that can be leveraged. Um, and then, of course, uh, sourcing savings, uh, right? If you are, if you are to your point with CRM, uh, with better advertising, better conversion rates. I mean, if we are in a world of marketing to candidates, and that marketing equation uh, really becomes important. And I think uh, in sourcing and people, I don't know, people, I think underestimate the power of uh, of good marketing on the, on the, on recruiting. Um, even I was in a conversation about, you know, should I hire sourcers and give them a LinkedIn license or should I hire marketers and, uh, and actually get them to collect leads and nurture them, right? right? When you do that comparison in business case, which I'm sure you've done, uh, it's actually a lot cheaper to apply, you know, prop, what I call proper marketing, right? Because the sourcer LinkedIn model is actually, uh, you know, smile while you die. <laughs> People were doing this, you know, 20 years ago. LinkedIn makes it better, but it's still a smile while you die. Whereas the CRM is more of a subtle uh, view. It's it's more of a nurturing, and you actually get much higher volumes uh, for less money. Well, and uh, to, to piggyback, I don't know that every business case actually has to be a cost savings. In fact, some of the best ones that I've seen are partnered in. It's not about saving money now. It's about it's about being sure that we can be first going forward. Because a competitive talent piece, the more you cut cost on your technology, the more you say that we'll do more with less, the less likely you are to get the best talent. You're going to be brilliant at hiring C, C talent. But that's fantastic. No, it's not. If you're actually competitive for the talent you need, you need the better technology that can meet those needs quickly and deliver. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be a cost savings. It may mean that it's going to be a deeper investment. Because if we lost that talent, the business loss later would be substantial. So some of it is writing where those soft cost dollars are going to make a difference. But um, that's where the CEO appeal comes in a little bit more than the CFO who only wants to see hard dollar savings. But um, sales and marketing, they have to sell investment strategies. They have to convince the business why we invest in more technology to be on the front edge. And I think talent acquisition could take a big big chunk from the playbook on how sales gets new technology for sales and how marketing gets new budget for marketing, because that's the way we should be, we should be positioning, not as a cost containment yeah. center. We're not, we're not about saving money. We're about getting the best talent as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that notion of return on hiring, right? You, you yeah. invest in recruiting to get great people, just like you invest in marketing to get customers. I think uh, as we, as we nail uh, the return on hiring, that actually is what gives CEOs uh, the, the decision uh, criteria to say, yeah, I'll invest more, right? And uh, uh, how have you seen or have you seen people measuring their, uh, their quality of hire, their, their velocity and quantifying it well in a return, return on hiring type model? Um. Some yes and some some not yet. <laughs> uh, the few that are, are the ones that are paying attention to the bigger picture. And they also have the ear and the voice of the senior leaders. So they're heads of talent acquisition that have made a position of themselves of being the most important person related to strategic talent. And the senior leaders have come to trust them in that decision. And so in those cases, when they comes forward, it's not about how many hires do we make this week? It's about, 
these five strategic hires have the have the business potential to bring in X part of revenue or generate X new project that's going to drive something else down the road. So it, it's a different conversation. It's a story. And the way that story gets told is not just with clicks and click throughs and number of interviews to, to schedule to hire equals X. It's value proposition back to the business. Um, I think it also starts at the very beginning in the intake process with the managers. So often we treat every job as a kind of, kind of a peanut butter approach. Every job gets the same level of time and attention, where in fact we know from the business and the partnership of the business, which ones are mission critical, which ones, um, and so how again do we structure the work in which we do to meet those needs in a specific way that we need to meet them. And the few that I've talked with and the ones that I know that are doing that, that's exactly what they're doing. They're restructuring and, re and changing the requirements and the process flows, they're fluid based on what they need to do in order to achieve that goal. Yeah. And uh, a change of metrics is actually uh, uh, what, uh, what we need, right? Um, very often, because take the time element, right? Um, uh, if you come to the table saying, my time to fill is 58 days, I'll be honest, as a CEO, I really, I couldn't care less, right? Start it's earlier. It. Right. I mean, what can I tell you, right? But if you actually turn this very simple uh, metric on its head and start to talk about hiring velocity, which is the percentage of position filled on time. Now, as a CEO, if you tell me that 85% of our positions are filled on time, so we have an 85% velocity, now I can translate that into into business velocity. I know that if I want to launch a new product or, or build a new product, the engineers are going to be there. If I want to sell more, I know I'll have salespeople. I'm opening a store. I know that there will be somebody to welcome customers in the store. So I can actually translate hiring velocity into business velocity. And now my question is going to be, okay, so you're at 85. How could we get to 90? And your answer might be, well, I need more resources, but your answer might actually be, well, you know what, what would be really useful is could we actually adjust our planning cycles so that we get a bit more advance notice so we have a different SLA for the business? Because if you could give this to me, then I could give you the resources you need when, and now you're being a business partner, right? Right. right. Uh, and, and the conversation there isn't how much, what do you mean you need to spend a million dollars on some new process or technology? The, the conversation is do what you need to do to get me what I need. And it's a much yeah. different business case when you have that yeah. kind of backing and relationship. Then it's the ID, I don't trust. And so you need to prove to me you, you need it versus I completely trust what you're doing because I've hired smart people. So go get what you need. So. Yeah. Yeah. Velocity and the, the other big element is quality, of course. And the quality of hire tends to be measured two years later or a year later on performance, or it's measured by mistake, like uh, first year turnover. Any good models you've seen on, on bringing, linking quality of hire with recruiting efforts? Well, not as much on the quality of hire, because I think there's a step that we still are lacking in the business perspective. And that is the one thing we know in talent acquisition when we hire somebody is whether they're taking a lateral a promotion or a demotion from where they were before. And what we don't feed over to the talent management side, to the performance side of the business, is that information. And so their first performance is as if they've never performed ever before. So a person that took a demotion because they want different life balance, they went from a VP to a director because they, it's a different industry or a different shift, 
probably will get a really superstar performance review because they've done more work than that role before. Where the person that was in a stretch role as a manager, senior director, senior manager moves into a director position might get a meets expectations because we forget where they came from. And I think there's such, such a, a value proposition to know the difference in the behavior and the difference in what the true performance was based on knowing so much more than what we did in the town acquisition side. That to me is what's gonna to get to a different quality of hire. Because if I had to measure quality in those two, the person that stretched and met expectations, there's a high volume and a high volume of velocity future for that person than the person that might be just comfortable in what they're doing and might not be wanting to stretch, depending on the role, depending on the responsibility. But this is, these are the conversations we can't even have because we don't process that information forward as part of the performance piece. So I would see that change. And then I would love to see, come back and say, what does quality equal? What does quality mean? Is it time in position? Because that's kind of what we do now, which I don't think is quality. Um, but how do we measure contribution to the business based on where they were before and where they are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you, Elaine. Great to thank be you. on this webinar with you. You too. Have you been searching for the best way to run your talent function? Then look no further than our newly released Hiring Success Masterclass. This six-hour class is designed and taught by global TA experts and delivers the building blocks for talent acquisition transformation. Once registered, follow the class at your own convenience. You'll receive one lesson per week via email. Complete the full class to become a Hiring Success Certified Expert. With each completed lesson, you are also eligible for one SHRM and HRCI credit. For more details, visit HiringSuccess.com slash masterclass. Once again, that's HiringSuccess.com forward slash masterclass.